0: Log Talk Radio.
1: Okay. Um, all right. Is that Donald? No, this is Paul. Okay. Wow. It crashed on me. Oh my God. Yeah. What a nightmare. It
2: hung up on
1: Oh my gosh, like it, like, so on my end, I'm looking at the studio, and it kept saying, it kept telling me that I have so many minutes left, and wow, that was crazy, Um, so we should, I hope we're back live, let me make sure, Uh, I'm texting with Chris Creighton, let's see, all right, Um, I'm in, and it's, not showing. I'm going to make sure. Let's see. Tell Chris it's not showing I'm on air. I hope it's live because I got my friend Marcus trying to listen to the show. Oh, i mean, It's not showing on air. Let's see. Uh-oh. Now what? Now my stupid phone. All right, let me refresh the page. Okay, there it goes. Okay, thank you, Chris. Thank you, God. Okay, great. Thank you. All right, so before we was rudely interrupted by the Internet here, uh, (laughs) so y'all were talking about the kids box races and how the kids designed race cars and uh, made cardboard boxes to race in. Oh. Okay, so can you hear me, Mr. Donald? Yeah, I can hear you. All right, good. So you probably didn't hear it, but uh, so this, this thing just crashed, but I got it fixed now, and we got another caller called in too. So y'all talk about the kids' box races and um, talk about how the kids designed the boxes and what they did and how how much fun it was. Yes, sir, what I was saying before I get cut off, wonderful world of technology, right? Yeah, um, exactly. I say, and the kids, you know, come out there every weekend rooting the parents on at races, and uh, this is an opportunity for the parents to root the kids on, you know, this this certain night when they do the box races. And the kids like that attention, I think. they They have a ball. And the parents love it watching them too. It's a fun time. Awesome. That's cool. So on y'all's Facebook, it was cool to see the different box cars created. And these kids, they got real creative. Like they did better than I would have done. Oh, yeah, Some of them had wheels and tires on them, and they had all different designs, which I think is a lot better than a cookie-cutter race car. You know, I I like to see everybody have their own identity of their race car as well. Well, that's cool. All right, so because it crashed, I have to have a new link. So anybody that's listening, we have a new link for the show, so let me send this out to you. All right, so that sent to my buddy Marcus so he can listen. But, yeah, I I enjoy the kids getting involved. Um, I think it's awesome. They're the future of our sport.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it's just, like, if it wasn't for the kids, we wouldn't have what we got now in dirt track racing because these guys were once a kid, and then they seen their favorite driver, and they grew up, and I want to be like them. And they went out there and boom, look at them now. Yes, sir, and I'm hoping this weekend. You know, this weekend we're doing the trick or treat for the kids and the Halloween costume contest, and it was a fun time last year, and I'm hoping we have just as much fun this year as well. Oh, that's awesome! So, Mr. Gamble, does your daughter want to say anything on oh, about the? To... Sure.
3: Um. Hi.
1: Hi there. How you doing?
3: I'm doing great. How about you?
1: Man, I'm doing awesome. I'm, I'm glad to have y'all call in the show. This is a really big deal to have y'all come on the show.
3: Um, well, I'm glad to be here. This is a very exciting well, that's great. moment for me.
1: That's great. So how old are you?
3: I am 10 years old.
1: Oh, that is awesome! So, tell us about your box car that you made.
3: Yeah, about my cardboard race car box. It's not cardboard; it's foam board.
1: Oh, okay. So it's a lot heavier duty.
3: <laughs>
1: yeah. So what? That's awesome. So, so what? Which one did you design? Lightweight. Lightweight, it's 15,
3: okay. 15
1: Junior. 15 yeah. Junior, okay. So.
3: It, yeah, it was purple. It was really cute. I even had a quacking engine. <laughs>
1: <'Cause they're laughs> that's cool. awesome. Because
3: there was a duck glued onto the back of it for weight.
1: <laughs> now that, that's creative like, what
3: right what there. Is. I like that. Actually, let <laughs> wow, so me tell a little This is what it would probably sound like.
0: <laughs>
1: That's great, man. That's awesome. I bet you I bet you that was quack-tastic, wasn't
3: it? Yep. <laughs>
1: so what did so how did you do in the boxcar race?
3: It was actually pretty good. I got in the top three. I got in third place. I was very proud of it. I was happy. And now we are here, and I had not—I was not expecting this at all.
1: Oh, cool! Okay. Um,
3: it was very exciting because I was racing other kids.
1: That's awesome. And it so was so a how many?
3: Like
1: Oh, I bet it was. So, how many kids was was racing in it?
3: Probably like maybe ten.
1: Oh, that's awesome! That's great. So, what was your favorite part about the boxcar race?
3: The duck.
1: Awesome. The and, engine. And, and, You know, I bet you everybody heard that, and it just tickled them to death to hear that.
3: <laughs> you mean the quacktastic goat? Yes. <laughs>
0: So that's cool.
1: So if you had <laughs> you. a – it's what now? So Thank if you, you had a – if you had a favorite class, what would be your favorite class in racing? Uh,
2: what kind of car?
3: Uh, uh, yeah, what kind of car? Your uh, uh, <laughs> the sprint cars i like the sprint cars it's speedy.
2: okay to
0: awesome.
2: wins i like on a car, car. race and then she's gonna go prince <laughs> <laughs> why ask the question of what i race
0: <laughs> Are
1: <you> so, funny? <laughs> so so you race the pure street team yes sir that's right. So our
2: full year. Last year we had about six races, uh, just getting into it, and then this year was our first full year.
1: Oh, that's awesome. So, how do you like the Pure Streets? Pretty good class. I love watching them. Yeah,
2: it's exciting for sure. We had some setbacks this year. Got a bent frame. Took us out of the points championship uh for hunting for first we had to miss three weeks trying to get the frame stretched and that put me back and uh a buddy of ours caught me and we couldn't ever reel him in
1: we was going for championship but we called
2: in second so
1: oh that's a bummer well hey that's that's pretty good to finish second at Hattiesburg. and something that uh that ron tells me and I know this for a fact because the times I've been to Hattiesburg, I've been there three times, I think. And he's told me, he said, look, he said, if you can race and win in Hattiesburg, then you can pretty much win anywhere. And I agree with that. You yeah,
2: know, it's tough. It's, there's some uh, good competition there, a lot of fast cars, a lot of new fast cars. We're working on a shoestring budget, but that, to me, makes it more exciting. We're taking junk and putting it up front.
1: Wow, okay, that's awesome. So what was the total point count you had?
2: I'm not sure. i have to get on my race pass real quick and
1: tell you. Um, actually, I'm going to look it up right here. I'll go ahead and look it up because I got race pass. But I love my race pass.
2: That's
1: a heavy speedway.
2: 22.
1: 522 points. Oh, wow, that's pretty good. And Robert Burge yep. had 676. Wow, that's yep. that's a lot of points.
2: Yes, it is. We had him by about 50 points before I went out in that wreck. Oh, and man. That.
1: But Well, that's it's some, okay. That's a complaint. That's a buzzard look right there to be doing so good, then boom, all of a sudden something just bites you. Yes, sir.
2: Yeah, it's just, uh, you know. Just one of those things.
1: Just the setback in well, our
2: plans for next year.
1: Well, that's cool. So, do you have any? Do you have any sponsors, or does your daughter have anybody she wants to thank? Well,
2: um, I have a I have a few sponsors. Um, I have a, actually a fueling station out of Carrier, Mississippi, called Anderson's Fuel, and then I have a couple of actual craft designers, uh KK's Crafts and uh Classy Comfort Creations. They helped me out a little bit this year.
1: Wow, that's awesome. So if y'all need any crafts or anything, y'all be sure and look them up on Facebook.
2: Yes, sir. They uh I have okay. a racing page on Facebook. It's 15G Gamble Racing, and I have them tagged in all my posts.
1: Well, that's great. So y'all be sure and go to his Facebook like his page, and go give his sponsors a shout-out, because without sponsors, we wouldn't have nothing in racing. That's right.
3: Yep, so Daddy can have the, duck t- the most fantastic car ever.
1: <laughs> no ducks <laughs> on that car. <laughs> and then next thing you know, she's going to get a bunch of rubber ducks and put on there, and they squeak when you ride by.
2: Oh, yeah. We got plenty of them, unfortunately. <laughs>
3: yeah, we do <laughs>
1: All right. Well, well. I thank you for calling in, and keep on listening. We got the next one. Let's see. We got uh, Greg Williams calling in. How you doing, Greg? Greg's
3: not available. He had to go help somebody real quick. So it's it's Shannon, his wife, and Cruz.
1: Okay. Well, how y'all doing, Shannon and Cruz? (laughs) We're good. That's awesome. So tell us about your uh, box car that you made for uh, Hattiesburg Speedway.
0: So
3: it, so it had, so I put my dad's number, which is one nineteen, in pink, like it always is, and then what? You made it a replica of his car. I made a replica of his car, and. So, I went out there, and I played sports, and i I had fun and I had I had fun, and I did great, and other people got first second and third. And some people got six, six, and seven. Wow, see y'all have some star show this weekend, man. I
1: wanted to come, but we
2: didn't
1: plan. Wow, that's awesome. Dang, I just got my big truck. Okay,
0: well, I'm, well, I am.
1: I'm glad you had a, I'm glad you had a good, uh, glad you had a good time and. That's cool that you matched your dad's car. That's that's really neat, right there. Thank you. You're welcome. And so, so uh, I'm sure you had a lot of fun racing out there with all your friends. And
3: yes, sir.
1: Well, that's great. So, if uh, if you had to pick a favorite. Dirt car, I guess it would be your dad's car, wouldn't it? Yes, sir. That's great. Well, who knows, one day when you get older, you may be just like your dad and have a number 119 car. (laughs) Yes, sir. That's cool. So you got anybody you want to thank, Uh, any family or friends?
3: Yes. Um, Lucas, John Carter, and his family. My dad, my mom, my mimi, my papa, my uncle, my Jamie. That's Jimmy. awesome.
1: That's great. And I know. I know. I've seen your dad race a bunch. He's really good. He's got a good car, and I'm glad. I'm glad to see you take an interest in dirt track racing. Well, that's great. Um, so you got anything you want to say, Mom?
2: No, I wasn't prepared for anything.
1: Okay, that's okay. Uh, well, well, thanks for calling in, and let's get to the next one. So we got uh, – all right, let me look and see. Who else we got calling in? Let's see. Let me look in. Alright, so do we have uh, did Mr. Luke Crider, did he get to call in, Mr. Donald? I don't know. Uh, he was going to call in if he got to feeling better. Okay, so uh, I don't think he did. I'm looking at the call in here. So that was awesome that y'all, that y'all got to call in. Uh, that means a lot that the kids because I'm sure it made y'all's day to call in and to do something like this and I think I think the kids are the future of dirt track racing, because without the kids, we don't have dirt track racing. And uh, y'all keep on spreading the word, uh, guys and gals, and uh, I think that's a great thing that Hattiesburg did with the box races. So how many total total boxes did y'all have? Man, I don't know. Uh, I would probably just take a wild guess. I'd probably say 30 maybe. Wow, that's awesome. That that's that's cool. And I'm sure that was uh, the, the fans really got into it. Oh yeah, the 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 fans all lined up along the fence. They were lined up from one end of the straight away all the way to the other end of the corner, you know. Or one corner to the other corner. And uh, They they was they was excited. Well that's great. Uh I appreciate y'all um, y'all calling in, Luke, and, um, I mean, excuse me. I don't know why I got that wrong. Um, Cruz? Yeah, Cruz. I don't know why y'all got that mixed up. Cruz and Grace, uh, y'all did awesome. Thank y'all for calling in, Cruz and Grace. Are we still up? Yes. You still on?
2: And we just want to thank Donald Parker for his work this year. He's been coming through some setbacks here and there. That, that light pole got took down this past weekend, but he made a remedy real quick. We just want to appreciate and thank him for his hard work this year. And he's made a a very even, most uh, how do I put it, to where all competition is equal. He doesn't center one person out, and uh, I believe that's that's whatever racetrack needs. They don't have no favorites. Oh. They go by when they say it, and that just makes it an even playing field.
1: Amen. Sure. I agree with that because he's he's one of those you can respect.
2: Absolutely.
1: Sure. That's great I cause, appreciate that, Paul. I really do. Yes, sir. No hard work goes unnoticed, sir. That's right. And i tell you this. I've always been told by Artie because everybody knows. That was my buddy Artie. He's always there filming the races and whatnot. And Artie's always told me, and I've heard it from Ron, I've heard it from several people. They say, well, Donald Parker's the hardest-working man in dirt track racing. And let me tell you, you I've been to a lot of racetracks, and I've seen it. I've seen Donald get out there on that tractor. I've seen him in the pit concessions. I mean, he's busier than a one-legged man in a butt-kicking contest. That's how busy he is.
2: <laughs> i tell you that one night he went from working the track to flagging, to racing. That's amazing. To Tekken,
1: he's a one-man show <laughs> almost there. Look, so, in other words, vision or trombone player don't describe it. A one arm trombone telling. player.
2: <laughs> he's good at what he does.
1: And, you know, so, so tell me this. So, y'all just uh, mentioned that about him racing. I thought it was so cool to hear that he come back out of retirement after all these years, and got back into racing. And tell us about that race that he raced and almost finished third in.
2: Well, listen, his old saying, once you learn something on a bicycle, you just get back on it and go. But he was in a heck of a piece of machine now. It's about car and driver. It's not always just about driver, and it's not always just about car. It's got to be a combo. Uh-huh. That man can drive a sled. It don't matter.
1: So you're saying Watch that on, he can win a race backwards blindfolded?
2: Probably with both hands <laughs> tied behind his back driving with his knee.
1: <laughs> That's talent. Look, I will pay to see that, and if you do that, I will buy you a steak dinner and shake your hand. But you got to win the race and do that. <laughs> Got to win the race. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, that was yeah. a last-minute decision that happened. That all come together in a matter of about two and a half days. Well, I tell you what, I kept, because I follow, I, I go on Facebook and I literally look up racetracks. I bet you I have every single racetrack in the country liked and followed on their page. And there's even some I'll find. I said, come! I thought, I can't believe I'm just not finding this one, but I'll follow Hattiesburg closely. And I kept seeing those posts, and they kept saying, we got a mystery driver going to come out of retirement and come race. And I was like, I wonder who this is. This is a legend, no doubt. And then when they said Donald Parker did it, I said, man, that's cool, man. That, that got me excited.
2: Well, we all, everybody had a feeling it was going to be a Parker. Nobody ever thought it would be that Parker.
1: <laughs> yeah because he uh, that's a big surprise I mean and then to get out there and race amongst you guys and, and pass some of the best drivers like like when I heard Mr. Donald when he came on the show and was talking about how him and TJ Pratt went back and forth and they talked about it in the pits and how TJ came over and told him and said man I can't believe you run me like that you know that's, that's impressive <laughs> for sure You know, cool. Jeremy young. Eaton, you know, Jeremy Eaton, Jim French, they kind of like uh, teammates. But Jeremy Eaton didn't even know that I was going to drive a car until I went over there and got in it that night to go out and hot lap. Or, no, <laughs> not the hot lap, but until I got in it to go qualify because I didn't even hot lap that night. That's when they found oh. out that I was driving the car. And what did he say? <laughs> he just was blown away. I mean I asked Jim I asked Jim not to tell nobody and he didn't tell nobody and I didn't tell nobody. Um, I think the I didn't tell Ron, I don't think, until Friday. I didn't tell my oh. brother. Or nobody. Wow, that's <laughs> a big secret to keep. Yep. Yeah.
2: <clears throat> so
1: Got one more thing here. So, do y'all want to talk about your next race coming up? What do all y'all have planned for your Halloween race? Oh man, this this is my 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 funnest race of the year coming up. <clears throat> I had the best time last year of any race that we've had in the last ten years of racing, and I hope that we can duplicate <laughs> that this year with it being more fun. But it was just a a, a fun, relaxing after. Evening of racing Everybody had a good time Everybody had a good attitude The kids had fun It was more candy than people could eat Or more candy than people could hand out <laughs> Every, A lot of people participated In the co- costume contest and Drivers participated Racers participated Uh Ernie even dressed up as Burt Reynolds And he was runner-up in the costume contest and got beat out by chase uh chase Cooper's son dressed up as Ricky the hippie item of all people he won the contest oh that's funny i I can imagine that was pretty funny to dress like the hippie, <laughs> yes, sir. We even had a a uh a dinosaur out there. That I bet you stood 12 feet tall, and there was somebody <laughs> in it walking around dragging a long tail behind it. It was awesome. That's funny. That's funny. That, but, is, that is right at R for redneck. That is right at R for racing right there. <laughs> but we going to do the, the points awards that night as well. And we're going to do the Heart of the Champion Award we started last year, two years ago. And the person we're giving that to this year, I think is going to be just totally, totally shocked. It's going to be one you don't want to miss, I I promise you. That's awesome. Because this driver is by far not going to expect it. Ooh, that's great. I I can't wait till y'all announce who it is. That's gonna be I hope I hope look, I encourage everybody that's listening to this show to share it out and tell everybody about the show. Of course we got the legend Donald Parker on here, and we got the legend Robbie Johns called in and of course we got the the kids called in. Uh, but tell everybody to come out to Hattiesburg Speedway this weekend. It's gonna be the place to be the Halloween race, the championship race, the race of races. Let's pack the stands. Let's not have 30 people in the stands. Let's have three, four 400,000 people standing room only, and let's give out a lot of candy and support these racers. And let's not only support these racers, but let's have a bunch of cars in the pits. Let's have 100 cars. Let's shoot for the moon. I'm telling you, we had probably the best sprint car race that we've ever had this past Friday night. If you wasn't there, you missed one hell of a race. <clears throat> so tell everybody about that and tell them about, because Artie called me on Messenger and he had Ron with him and Artie was telling me about the sprint car driver that wrecked and knocked out the power. That's crazy. Yeah, that happened in hot laps. And uh, this, so, this particular so what, driver he had Sammy Swindell helping him set up his car and he, he and Ron interviewed him at an admission and said Sammy had the car so tight that he it would not turn and it just climbed the wall but he admitted himself it was a rookie mistake and uh, by far it, it is it was a fast race car it's just the driver driving it hadn't been racing but a handful of times in a sprint car but somebody like sammy swindell could have probably got in the car and probably won in the car but oh i i uh, bet it, it clipped the light pole knocked the lights down broke the light pole and it was instant chaos and uh wow kind of like like paul gamble said you know we just evaluated the problem figured out what i needed to do <clears throat> And Cash Wilson, he moved in next door to me. He called me and asked me if I wanted him to bring. He had a part uh, a portable light plant. He brought over there and set it up. And our Dixie Fire Department's always got a light plant. They they let us use whenever needed. They went and got theirs, and within an hour we was back up going again. And that was wow. Uh, that was pretty pretty quick timing I think considering what all had to be done at a short notice wow that's a blessing and, from God one the driver survived and then y'all was able to get the power fixed that's yes, true mm-hmm. we was through at 1230 which seems like late but remarkably it was actually we made up a lot of time you know that we lost and uh I was happy to have been been through that early, considering what all happened and the delay. So who was your winner of the sprint car race? Uh, Mark Smith. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's a legend. Yeah, he's been racing a long time. Oh, yeah. And Danny Smith runs second, which is a sprint car Hall of Famer, and he's 70-something years old. And let me tell you, he drove the wheels off that car. And he let everybody know that you, you don't have to be young to be a fast race car driver in a sprint car. Because he's in his I agree with that. And he, was, and he was wheeling that thing like a 20-year-old. That's awesome. Um, now, Danny Smith, he drives the 4S, don't he? Yes, sir. Because I met he him one time. Him. He's been running four ten sprints all this season, and just I think this might have been the first six, three sixty race other than the opening night that we had him here. Opening night that he was back in the three sixty. He's been running four ten sprints all this year. That's awesome because when I met him, he won at Southern Raceway one night, and I got the coolest sprint car picture after he won. He climbed up on his car and was shaking and dancing and had his checker flag, and I got the picture took just in time I see him waving the flag, and that was the coolest picture. That He was grinning like a possum on top of that race car, and that was cool to see him win, because he's one of them veterans that's been around a long time, and I didn't realize he he's in his 70s now. That's awesome. Yeah, and and like I told Terry Gray and Pete Walton and Sammy Swindell, you know, he made the comment the other night, just, we got a pretty serious situation here, but those guys have been all over the country racing. They've probably seen just about everything there is to the see, and I bet you we give them <clears> a first <throat> this past Friday night. <laughs> <laughs> hey, ain't no doubt because look, I, I've only been in dirt track racing since 2015, and I've been a I've been a NASCAR fan since I was a wee little lad. I think I was holding a NASCAR steering wheel in 1990. I'm just playing about that, but it's been it's been that long since I've been watching NASCAR, and I've never ever 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 heard of anything like that where a sprint car took out the light pole. That's 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 gonna go down in the history books. <laughs> yes, sir. <clears throat> yes, sir. But the best the best thing from that, the driver was okay, and y'all went back racing because when Artie video chatted me, Ron was standing there beside him and we was talking. Ron. I said, man, I ain't never seen a racetrack that was that pitch black. And all you could see was the cars and the pits and their lights and the trailers. And I thought to myself, my goodness, that is wild. And then, then I and already said, well, I, we're going to try to get it in. I hope we do. And sure enough, y'all got the races in. Never quit. That's what I'm talking about. Y'all didn't give up. So y'all deserved a hard charger award for getting that race in. Well, with that being said, We'd have been back racing quicker, but we had to wait on the lights to cool down before they'd come back on, or, or we'd have been racing about thirty minutes sooner, sooner than we went back racing. Okay. So when you cut those lights those off, is- they don't come they don't come back on I mean, immediately. You got to let them cool down. Yeah, and they're not LED lights either, are they? No. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's the old incandescent type where it gets a little hot and it takes a minute to warm up. Yeah. Well, that's cool. So, yeah. uh, y'all have anybody you want to thank before I get to my next caller? You asked me this last week, and and I and I I hate to start naming names because just as soon as you 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 miss somebody, but I'd I'd this week I'd like to personally thank Cash Wilson for coming out and helping us with the light plant and also uh a former guy used to race with at Hattiesburg Dennis Brown his son helped us with the light wires he works for Pearl River Valley and he happened to be at the races and came to us and he cut the wires and taped them up and got it safely rolled up out of harm's way and and I'd like to personally thank him. I don't recall his name, but I know his daddy well. And used to race with his daddy. His daddy's Dennis Brown. And uh, awesome. But yeah, he came to our aid pretty quick and <clears throat> offered his assistance, and I definitely welcomed it. Well, that's great. Oh, uh, and 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 like I said last week, if there's anybody that wants to sponsor Hattiesburg Speedway, Get up with Mr. Donald and Ron and tell them, say, hey, we want to sponsor Hattiesburg because, look, you'd, I mean, you'd be crazy not to, um, not to advertise your business at Hattiesburg Speedway in front of thousands of fans that go there every year. I mean, it's almost stupid not to do that because it's a great way to get your business out there because everybody knows Ron Southern is good about shouting out people, sponsors, and whatnot. And Ron would do perfect at advertising your business. It only makes sense to advertise your business at a racetrack in Mississippi where a lot of people go. And then you have not only the Crate Racing USA Street Stock champion, national champion at Hattiesburg, you also have the Crate Racing late model champion and Chase Cooper up there, too. And that's a big deal. Yes, sir. I think it is. But... Um... In fact, we got the top five out of the crates that race at Hattiesburg and also the street stocks as well. Well, look at there. See? Hattiesburg's got it going on, y'all. So I appreciate y'all calling in, and I'm going to get to Robbie, my next guest. But if y'all want to listen and chime in with uh, our next conversation, because we got a pretty good conversation I'll start on this next one. So I'll leave you unmuted if you'd like to chime in on some of this stuff with Robbie, but... Uh, Thank y'all for calling, and this is going to be really good this next segment. Yeah, you might want to get to him because he is your sponsor. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Robbie's the main. All right, so let me give a clap for y'all awesome guys coming in. And let's see, where's the crowd? There it is. So we got... Alright, so we got Robbie Johns, my awesome buddy on the line. How you doing, Robbie? Man, I'm finer and frog here. How you doing tonight? Man, I'm doing dang near skippy. Uh, so uh, while I got Mr. Donald on, Mr. Donald, this is Robbie. So I'll introduce y'all. Yes, sir, how you doing? Pretty good, Mr. Donald. I think I talked to you once or twice on the phone back. We was trying to do something with the sprint. Yeah, you're the same one that was involved with the wingless sprints? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I had the low I, buck deal. I got you. Yeah, I think my brother-in-law has talked to you quite a bit. Rick, Ricky Beasley? Yes, sir. Mr. Ricky, he's a fine fellow. I spent many hours on the phone with him there for a couple of years. <laughs> <clears throat> yes, sir. Um... I love watching wingless many i mean, wingless sprint cars—but I just think they're a little bit too dangerous to be at my racetrack for my comfort. I love yes, watching them. Yeah, that's yes, cool. How far, they're fun to watch. So I got a topic. So me and Robbie have been discussing this, and you can chime in too, Mr. Donald. So me and Robbie was talking about how racing has got so expensive uh, where you can't, uh, just about can't afford to race. When you got $40,000 street stocks, you got $60,000 modifies and so forth. I mean, it's getting to where your average dude, average girl can't go <clears> out there and compete because you got to have the latest and greatest. So what would, what would y'all do? I, so what would you do different, Robbie? Like what class would you like to see? as far as your average American can go race? You could probably go and pick up all them crate motors that aren't no good, can't be bored out anymore, and take the seals off of them and degree the cam in them and go back racing with them because they flooded the market with that stuff, which in my opinion, the crate motor just one of the worst things to happen in racing. When they first come out, I thought they were going to be a good thing, but you know, now we at double the price of what that motor cost when it first come out. I mean, it just they took it out of the hands of the the backwoods racer, you know, in the backyard, and uh, now it's in the hands of you know General Motors supplying the motors, and then you know you got to go buy a Johnson chassis. Um, I really think that the chassis, if they're going to let Johnson build it, they ought to let Johns and Jones and, and everybody else build it, too. It's like old Super Street car. Hell, we never had no chassis manufacturer for old Super Street. You know, we kind of fabricated and built what we wanted and what we needed. But the, I think the street stock class has really, really just got out of hand all the way around They They choked them cars down, and they put them on 8-inch tires back when we, it's basically what a hobby car, kind of what used to be, supposed to be. In the hobby class, you know, we we run on 11-inch Towel City retreads. Them tires was back, I'm going to tell my age, but back then they were $68 a piece, man. And still to this day, 11-inch Towel City retreads, like what, $98? Um. That was good, dependable tire. I mean, I I never had no trouble with it. A lot of people said they used to blister them and all that, and, you know, they didn't like them, and the caps had come apart. As long as I raced them tires, I never had one come apart, and we never blistered one unless we had, you know, something going on on the corner of the car that, you know, put a lot of heat in the tire, which it would have blistered a brand-new Hoosier if you put it on there as well, but... um, those old RC4s, I think is what they were we used to race. Um, they were kind of like the first new tire come out for what we used to run. And I don't know. I just kind of always liked that old tower City tread. That thing would be there at the end, you know. And they were cheap. We could buy them. Um, never was no shortage on them. And you got to figure awesome. these cars, you know, them open motor street stocks, <clears throat> they got to weigh, what is it, 3,200 pounds? That's a lot of weight on the 80-inch tire, and that's why they have trouble with those tires, burn them up. It well, just got too heavy of a car on too narrow of a tire. And I had to work on a modified because modifieds only weigh, what, 2,500 pounds? It's a lot of difference. Yeah, something in, like that. the weight ratio there for the tires. <clears throat> and so, I just, uh, I don't know. I think we had a better car back in 1987 when I had $2,500 mm. in it, and we raced for $500. And now, like you said, you got forty thousand dollars in a street stock, and you're racing for six hundred. So the scale got tipped way over the other way. I I don't know why the purses went up like the, the you know, prices and everything else. Which I understand. We had a racetrack. We used to own three eleven, but my dad was real successful running that place, and we we seemed to always make a profit. I know that sounds crazy, but we did even on the slow nights. We still made a profit at that racetrack when we was, you know, closed down and went home. So what year did y'all run 311 Speedway? Mm, I think it was around 2007, 8,
2: 9, through there. He had it about two or three years. So so he was the owner
1: or did he lease it? Yeah, he was uh, leasing to buy it. Okay. So so, Mister Donald, what are your thoughts on the Tall City retreads? And as far as the cheap class would go, I think every race car, less than late model, should be on the Tall City recaps. That's my opinion. But Thank you, sir. Amen. With, <laughs> with, <but> the racers <laughs> that the racers today take offense to racing on a recap. But we had more race cars at a racetrack racing. <clears throat> any day of the week when we was all on recap tires. When they did away with the recap tires, the car counts went away. Um, They used to be 30 to 40 street stocks at any racetrack on any given night when it was on recaps. Wow. And it was strictly, strictly due to the economy. And just like Robbie just said, if we go back to the recaps, they do cost a little more now, but they are outlast any racing tire that's out there today. Absolutely. Can race like them. I said, we were, they got you different compounds. You can race them week in, week out. Yes, sir. And we got more than one race out of a set of tires. That's what I'm saying. They're designed to take heat cycles with these sure enough so-called racing tires that they got today. Once they go through a heat cycle, they're junk. And uh, But the Kyle City recap, it'll take a heat cycle from one week to the next, and it don't fall off hardly any at all. No, sir. But,
2: that's, that's exactly right, Mr. Parker.
1: But I have tried to and explain see, that to racers, and racers don't want to hear it. And see, it's cheaper in a Hoosier H H500, and I like Hoosiers. Don't get me wrong, but Hoosier corners the market, and they basically grab it. Every, um, what's a nice way to put it? They got all the tracks by the Cajones, and I just wish, like y'all said, that there, and, and there's still some tracks that do the Cal City Retreads. I just wish more would see this. A cheaper option. this, a better tire. I mean, I just I don't see how people can think that a now, I understand a Hoosier H five hundred is a pretty good tire. I just I don't know that that tile City City probably lasts a lot longer. You will have to have every car on Tile City for for you to see the effect. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying you can take a tile City and go out there and outrun a brand new set of
0: Hoosiers or
1: or American Racers, but that second week that Tile City outrun that Hoosier American racer. But racers today wanna to bolt new tires on every week. And that's what's putting people in the poorhouse house to go. Yes, sir. So so how much is a new Hoosier H five hundred? Like a hundred and fifty dollars a tire or something? They're like one sixty five, one seventy. Whoo they done jumped up. Wow, and American so, Racers are about 165 too. Mm. Wow. I so, haven't bought any in a while. The last time I bought some uh, H500s for that street stock we had a couple years ago, I think I got them down at Bryant's, and they were like 158 then, 154 or something like that. And I, I was telling yeah. them in there then, I was like, man, this is ridiculous. You know, you can get a Tower City um, 11-inch tire at that. For $98. Yes, sir. Back when everybody was on Tile Cities, your what they called your limited cars
0: and your mm-hmm. street
1: stocks. Your limited run 11-inch. Your street stocks run up. Uh, uh, they called it an 8-inch, but it was really a 9-inch tire. Yeah. It was the smallest tire they had. You, know? you run an yep. 11 and a 9-inch. Wow. And uh, so when we ran hobby, ours they re, they moved us up to the eleven inch tires. Then I think novice and bomber they were the only class back then that ran the uh, what you call the eight inch, but it was actually a nine inch tire. Yes. Sir. So we'll what year with that? Was the eleven inch tire. When we was running the 11-inch tires, we wasn't paying but $55 a piece when we first started running them. And then I think when we quit running them, we was paying $65 a piece for the 11-inch. Yeah. And the 9-inch were cheaper than that. Wow. Yeah. So, Jared, you said what year? That was, uh, for me, it was back around, I don't know, 88, 89, 90, somewhere along in there we were running that well i run 11 inch tire from hobby all the way up to sportsman and they they even brought in some of those radial tires we had to figure out how to run them The they were radial car uh car carcasses <coughs> and uh wow we found out that you had to run more air pressure around them to make them work <laughs> God, yeah i, really, I remember when they, when they started running the radios when we first started running them it was all bias fly yeah. So what was the radio tire? I think that it was, was when NASCAR cars, went to radio. It? Sir? Wasn't it the old, uh, when they first went, the radios like it, the short tracks, the cut cars? I think well, that's, that's what where they the were come from. Was, that's where they were getting their cases was from NASCAR and it was whatever yep. year NASCAR switched to to radio tires. <clears throat> it had to be around wow. 90 or 91. Yeah, cause it was in the so, early 90s. Yeah, because yeah, that was back when uh, Jeff Bodine and Brett Bodine, Brett had the Quaker State number 26 car, I believe. Yeah, because sometimes yeah, you could get called. Hoosier casings, and some mm. most of the time they were Goodyear. But that's when Hoosier got involved in NASCAR, and then you, yep. st- you could get a Hoosier casing or a Goodyear. Yes. Yep. So, so here's a question for you, Robbie, and Mister Donald can chime in on this too. So, as far as a class, if you had to start a new class besides the low book Sprint Car Series, we know how awesome that is. So. What would you start, and one thing I like about you, Robbie, is you have a one-page set of rules. It shouldn't be six different pages of rules for one class. That's just dumb. Um, But what would you start if you had to start another class and run it? Well, I try to get back to the basics, you know. Um, I go back to, you know, a stock chassis or You know, a stock frame, I know they're getting hard to find now, so it should be able to where, you know, if I wanted to build my own tube frame at home, if I got enough sense to hang a body on this thing and put a motor in it, surely I got enough sense to weld this frame together or whoever does the welding on my car can build it. I don't think that's a poor... It's a weak statement for them to say they wanna make sure they're certified welded and all that. That ain't, hell they ain't hardly any certified welders in racing. <laughs> but that being said, I think that the, the old homeboy would be able to build his own damn car in his backyard rather than have to go down here and spend fifteen thousand dollars on a you know, just a frame and then having to start assembling parts to it, you know, having a $5,800, 6000 motor he has to buy, and then a $2,000 brand transmission. And then, you know, we, you still should be able to do that stuff. There's still enough of these old cars. There's enough of them old Super Street, old hobby cars that's sitting around. I guarantee you all over the place, if you was to resurrect that group of people, you'd have 100 cars for that class show up. And I remember, like Mr. Parker was saying, we used to go to Loxley at L.A. Raceway down there. And I can remember the big races they had, they paid good money. We'd all come from Flomington and Baker and, and Southern over there. Man, they'd be 40 and 50 cars down there. We'd have to run a preliminary race to get in to qualify to, to race in the big race if you didn't run quick enough. And, I mean, they started 38 cars down there on that old track before because I know I was 38. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. Hey. You know, talking about that L.A. Speedway, you know, one night we had like 37 Pierce Street here. One night this year and last year, people, and mm-hmm. and Miss, Mr. Ron says, hey, you going to run a B-Main? I said, nope. What you going to do with these cars that don't make the race? I said, they're going to load up and go home. And they're going to get their car better and come back next week and try to make the feature. Because when we raced at LA thirty six, like you said, if you wasn't fast enough to make the A main, you went home. You loaded up and went home.
0: That's and right. I
1: don't I don't believe in in non qualifying races that I'm seeing people run now. I don't believe I don't believe in that. If you're not good enough to make the A main, go home, do your homework, and come back and try it again next week. Yep. That's that. That's an old school racing right there. Well, yeah, but I mean, you're, you're not giving you nobody the incentive You're not giving nobody the incentive yeah. to get better, if they know they can sandbag and run a, run a last chance race because that's what's going to happen. They're going to sandbag. Yep. To get in to get in that last chance race, and that's just a whole other subject. <laughs> 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 i agree yeah I, I I agree, I agree with that because and and you know, I've always liked watching those kind of races, but the more y'all explain it, the more I'm leaning towards y'all side point of view on that, because it's almost like I don't know if this is the right way to put it, but like. You know how the the left now is doing the participation trophies for everything. It's almost like that. Exactly like that. Yeah, because I mean, yeah. you're just yeah. saying. I don't know. It's, it's like you're saying here. Here, little Johnny. Here's a trophy. Thanks for coming. You know, and and I, I like the way you put it when you have. And I and I'm not bashing anybody. That does it, but like, like you know, I like the way you put it when you have an incentive to get your car better and come back next week and try it again until you get it right. You know, it's kind of like me and my wife wife watches The Voice every week. Somebody goes home every week because they just didn't cut it. But you gotta tell them, don't let this discourage you. Go home, practice, and come back next season and try it again. And these these ones that do it. And then they make it the next time. Wow, that's, that's pretty cool. Y'all remember old Dale McCowart? I don't know that I do. Well, Del McCowart was the famous guy that ran. He was an independent, barely had enough money, made it to Daytona, and he always ran that number zero car, and he was always in the back, never qualified, never – I think he did make it into one qualifying race one time, but he finished dead last in it. But every time he come, they'd ask him why, you know, why did he keep doing it and everything. And he said, uh, was he coming back? He says, yeah, I'm coming back. And he said, I'm going to be better and I'm going to be stronger. And that's what you got to do. If you don't make it that night, you go yeah. home, do your homework, you come back, you'll be better and stronger. Yeah, that's in, cool. And in, all, and in all the years of my racing, and I raced a pretty good while, we raced every Friday, Saturday, and sometimes Sundays if we could find a place to race on Sundays. But with that being said, I never missed a Saturday night race or a Sunday, Sunday race because I got tore up the night before. The point yeah. is, if I got tore up on Friday night, we are going to get the car fixed to race somehow the next night.
0: Yes, you know, sir. That's
1: right. It didn't matter. We was going to have it fixed. And it took a pretty tore up race car in the heat race. I don't know of many features that I didn't make because we we thrashed to get a car back together between a heat and a feature if we had damage between a heat and a feature. Right. (laughs) Quitting was not in the vocabulary. (laughs) No, sir. That's what old Delma always said. He never won a race but he never lost a party. <laughs> yes. But uh, what year was this? With the Do what? Go ahead, Jared. Uh so what year was that that he raced? Uh, he was in the early nineties. Oh, that's cool. I've never heard that story. That's cool. <laughs> Google Dell Tower. Kind, of, kind of like uh, a Dave Marcus. Yes, oh, sure I love was. Dave he Marcus. Was... Yeah, Dave's a good old fella. I've seen him many times at Daytona and, and Talladega, all the tracks that we used to go to. and um, He always wore those wingtip shoes, you know. Yeah, and there towards the end, NASCAR wanted he to start not wearing them, and I think he told them what they could do with that. Yeah. (laughs) Well, he wore wingtip shoes every every time I ever saw him. That's what he had on. So I guess he wore them to the end (laughs) when he quit. I'm pretty sure he did. Yeah. So it was 2001. I remember when Dave Marcus retired. It was 2001. Daytona 500 was his final race ever, and I was so sad to see him retire. (laughs) Yeah, he was always independent himself. I mean, Earnhardt helped him a lot, but yeah, still, he was always independent. Well, yeah, okay, he, so here's he, a story for you. Have y'all ever heard of Norm Benning? Yes. Okay, so I'm a big Norm Benning fan. I don't know his whole story, but I know a decent amount. And everybody that knows NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series, Norm Benning always drives a red number 50 truck. Well, I hadn't seen him race in a year or two, but he raced for a long, long time. And one of the things I liked about Norm Benning was he was just your regular average Joe, your regular average redneck that could barely afford to go racing, but he fielded a truck near about every race. Didn't ever have a big sponsor, a whole lot of nothing, but he was going to make the race. And I will not never forget, when they first raced the Truck Series on dirt, I was so happy, and I watched it that night. Well, they had the, the news media, everybody was on Norm Benning. He was the favorite. When well, Norm Benning, his way into the, into the dirt race at uh, Bristol or Eldora, wherever it was, and he raced his way in, and the fans went bonkers because he was in his 40s, 50s, And that was just cool to see somebody that age with that amount, low budget, make the race. I love guys like that. Imagine what somebody like that. He's probably in his late 50s now. uh, Imagine if he had the budget some of these big teams got, what he would do. Well, you know, when the truck series first came out, you could take a low-budget team and compete the way they operated because you didn't have to have a high-priced crew because they did uh, mandatory s- stops, mm-hmm. had like a, a recess session, you want to call it, where they could change tires or fuel. It or, wouldn't know how fast you could change your tires, how fast you could get your fuel in. The races wasn't as long, and you've seen a lot of low-budget teams win in truck races. And to when they were r- truck races is when they opened it wide open. Yeah, cause, yeah Arca used to be a good one, too. Yeah, Arca, yeah, that's a good one. Because, see, when the truck series started, you had, of course, Mike Skinner. You had Ron Hornaday Jr., Jack Sprague, all the legends in there. <clears throat> I'm talking even before those guys. You had Saturday oh, okay, Night Racers winning yeah. truck races. Yeah. So that's cool, yeah, because it got started in 97. Is It was 95 or 97 when it got started. I think it was in 97. Yeah, sure. 2000 was the first. That Daytona, that was the first year they ever ran the trucks at Daytona when I was there and Jeff Bodine got all up in the fence and the fuel cell. Remember the story I was saying about where, the, where I invented the fuel container from? Oh, yeah, so so, so tell us, yeah, tell that story again. <clears throat> well, I was there in Rick Crawford's pit that day, and when Jeff Bodine went up in the fence, it tore the truck all to pieces and knocked the fuel cell out of it, and it caught on fire. And they had just pitted, and they were full of fuel, and um, it burnt 12 people in the stands, and the flipped and tumbled all the way to the end of pit road, and it stopped down there still smoldering and smoking and firing on it. And I just, on my way home, I was thinking they just got to be a way, if they just contain that fuel with the tank, keep it inside, you know, or the perimeter of the tank, keep what it's holding in it, you know, they wouldn't have that fire like they did to 12 people in the Because, man, it was a big old blaze. You could feel it all the way across pit road to the flag stand there where he hit the wall. And uh, it was like a bonfire going off, you know? Wow. So that's how, that's basically how the fuel arrester was born because people like, so, so shift gears to safety. Like me and Donald talk about how, and I me and you talk about it too, how people don't take safety serious. They joke about fuel fires. They joke about this and that. You know, to me fuel fires and wearing gloves also are a big deal but I just wish we could make people not not joke about it, take it serious. The only thing I can say is I guess people need to just go and call some of these folks that's been burnt before. Um you know, like Joe McCloy, he you know, he got burnt so bad and his fire that the bone was sticking out of his thumb, you know, out the end of his Ooh. thumb. And uh, uh, uh. the years and years that it takes. You know, a burn don't go away like a broke leg. Six weeks, you can be back up on that broke leg going. Well, a burn, you you got to clean it. It's got to be scrubbed. I mean, it's the most awful treatment that you ever have to have in, in third-degree burns or, you know, even worse, you know. But uh, it, it's just a, you know. I don't know. They don't realize what danger it is riding around with 15 gallons of racing fuel in the car. And, you know, you know that I've that, mentioned – go ahead. That brings up the, something I've always questioned myself, Robbie, a fuel cell. You know, I don't know who ever come up with the bright idea to wrap a rubber tank or a plastic fuel cell in a steel can. I can tell you who did. I met him. I spent two hours up there on top of Charlotte Motor Speedway in like 2005, and it was Humpy Wheeler, him and Fireball. I mean, uh, well, him and Fireball Roberts were really good friends, and then, you know, Fireball got burned up in that car, and then he worked with Firestone Tire and Rubber Company, and they got together and designed a rubber bladder with that metal can. And that's been the same yeah, I, design since the 40s or 50s. Whenever he got, you know, killed in that wreck, they haven't changed. They might have changed the shape of it, but it's still, like you said, it's a rubber bladder with a metal can, and, and it's very vulnerable. A fire, a fire is a spark. If you don't have a spark, you don't have a fire. Yes, sir. That's my my beef <clears throat> about it is, even if you Put it in an aluminum can, you know. Take that spark away of the mm-hmm. of right there wrapped around that fuel cell. Um, I agree. Just like a drag car, you know, they got plastic fuel cells. They're not designed to be in a box, and they don't require them to be in a box. Uh, no, even if you rupt- even if you rupture it, unless you got a a spark, it's not going to ignite. Right. Um, That's always been my complaint about putting it in a steel can. Um, But who am I, you know? Well, Humpy said they were looking at, you know, making it, you know, they were trying to make it indestructible. And I guess in the 50s, the resources that they had are not like the resources we have now. So, you know, they should be a change in it. I mean, my theory is, is we wear a helmet to save our head. We wear a fire suit to protect us from getting burnt and gloves and shoes. Um, why not? Why Why don't we put something around the fuel cell to help contain that fuel, and it'll enhance mm-hmm. all them products that we got on, you know? Right. That's what I, I was agree. Been saying even, even more, even with your uh, fuel resistor. If it was an aluminum can with that, you would have less chance of a spark even igniting it to burn anyway. You know, they, but maybe three things on a race car that'll burn. That's your fuel, oil, and tires. Yep. And without that, you don't have a fire.
2: Well, a couple years ago,
1: a couple years ago, you know, we had drivers burning up in cars. And I kept wondering, why is these cars catching on fire, going full fully in full-blown flames instantly? Because your fire is either going to be in the back or the front of the driver. Well, yeah. the more I got to thinking about it, these cars <laughs> now are wrapped in full-fledged vinyl wraps. And some people's even wrapping the interior sheet metal. Have you ever seen vinyl burn?
0: Yes, sir.
1: It's, it's like it's like gasoline. A driver wraps himself up in a fire suit and then wraps himself, surrounds itself with burnable material all the way around the car and him. Where for years, what's the number one rule in safety? Take all burnable materials out of your car before you start building your race car, right? Yes, sir. And, and then they wrapping them now from one end to the other with vinyl wrap.
0: Yep.
1: That's just crazy that, that the way things have got now, there's too many people getting burned in a race car for somebody not to take it serious. Like, I watched the video. Robbie shares videos with me all the time, which is awesome, a video of videos of people getting burned in a fuel fire. And you talked about drag racing. There was a drag race where a guy had, like, a woody wagon and I forgot what racetrack it was, but the guy was filming, and the guy did a wheel stand, and he gets to the other end of the track, and he's racing a Fox Body Mustang, and the car hits the wall, bounces off the Mustang, and then the car barrel rolls and explodes in a fireball, and the guy's on fire, and you hear the guy that's filming screaming for bloody murder. The guy's like, oh, my gosh, she's on fire, and he runs over there, the guy jumps out of the the woody wagon on fire and just starts rolling on the ground. And he's burned pretty bad. You see him when he interviews him. He has his hands in the cooler. And, you know, it's something as small as a three-and-a-half-gallon fuel cell like they run or whatever size. You know, that people need to take fuel fires serious. Well, Three-and-a-half gallons of fuel makes a big fire. Even a gallon of fuel makes a big fire spread out. I believe it. Well, you know, they say if you take a, a half a cup of gasoline, compressed and lit is equal to a stick of dynamite. I believe it. You know, when people complain about alcohol, um, <laughs> alcohol is a safer fuel to run than gasoline any day of the week. Yes, right. We, me and Jared talked about that last Uh, time I was on the show there and I told him I said you know uh, that fuel did you ever see that demonstration that uh, what's his name Wayne that runs the sprint cars oh Wayne Davis Wayne Davis he took a a cup and poured a little bit of gas in one poured a little bit of alcohol in one and he struck a match and held it down there getting closer and closer you know and then the the fuel would just boom it will explode and that alcohol, yeah. heck, you got to get it right on down there in the cup with it to light the fuel to get it to start to burn. Well, it's more like a kerosene. You know, it's a slow-burning fuel. Yes, sir? That's crazy. You know, but there's so many safe people. People got to start taking safety seriously in racing. Well, unfortunately, yeah, but- a lot of them nowadays would rather have a cool wrap than to have a safe butt. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I was right. talking about them wraps r- while ago. They've been going as far as wrapping their helmets now. Yeah. You know? Just something else that not burn. Yes, sir. Yeah. And, you know, i see this all the time, because I'm at a racetrack every single weekend, whether it's Steep South, Tri-County, Hattiesburg, I'm at a race somewhere and I see this all the time. I'll even see it on Facebook. Well, I gotta get this new 604. I gotta go 604 racing. Or I gotta do this. I gotta do that. You never. I, I I never ever see anybody say, "Oh, check out my new gloves. They're awesome." Every now and then, I'll see people advertise a race suit, but that's because it's brand name. Oh, I got the the so and so race suit, and 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 they and that's cool, but. Safety should be more important than the cool stuff. I mean, should be more important than your engine, all that stuff. but well, there's a lot of things I see with these race cars that that I could complain about or do this or that or that, but people don't want to listen to you. There's a lot of race cars out there built in a way today that if the car' is upside down or on the side and it was on fire, that driver ain't going to get out. Uh, oh, people nice. brag and brag about these full containment seats. Where it'll mm-hmm. save your life one way, or it'll kill you another way. you exactly right. Because them full containment yeah, seats, can, they can trap you in a race car. Yes, sir. If you uh, can't go the driver's door and you can't get out and you got to go around the right side of that seat, You're going to play hell getting by that halo part of it in there between it and the the firewall. Yeah, but you got some of these modified and late models now building the cockpits in such a way, there's no way to get out the right size of the car whatsoever, no matter what you try to do. To them, it's all about aerodynamics. You know? Yeah, I could... I could care less about air. Aerod- I mean, and I'm going like I've been telling Robbie, I've been telling everybody, I'm gonna basically get me a dirt track car. I'm gonna start small because, and you need me going to a big car. I just want a little small stinger. But like, um, I could care less about aerodynamics. Care about look when I get one, it's gonna have a good seat belt. And what I can afford this good, I ain't gonna have no dollar store seat belt or AutoZone seat belt, no Chinese junk. Uh, I'm gonna have something good in there. Have a decent we'll helmet, you a good helmet. Rope. Tie me with some rope. <laughs> yeah, we'll tie you in there with some of that good rope that they use on them boats, you know, that marine rope. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Look, look that's that's safe for the capital S. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Bob the Builder. I try, yeah, that's real safe there. <laughs> but I got a story to tell both of you. Because okay, you, you're beating down a you're beating down a dead horse when you try to preach safety to people. Yeah. because <clears throat> you can throw it right in their face, and they won't see the danger. Just like Friday night, we had a car get on the he he rode the wall all the down the back straightaway, got up on top of the wall, clipped clipped a steel a steel pole first then hit a light pole, broke my light pole in half, flipped outside the mm. racetrack. Okay? Our very first feature race of the night, Friday night, was the Stingers. <clears throat> I look over by my red light on the back straightaway. And I don't have a fence around turn three because there's no, persist, uh, no people present there, you know? Uh, right. We're not required to have a fence where, we, where you don't have people sitting or spectators. But what was there? There was a guy hanging over the wall with a YouTube uh, video camera making a YouTube video, filming. Oh, boy. Hanging over into the racetrack. And that's where the car had just come over the wall and clipped the light pole. I went mm. over wow. there hollered at him and hollered at him and hollered at him, and he refused to come down. So I took my, my caution flag and I whopped him across the leg. I said, get your <laughs> ass down here now.
0: And he, he
1: was found and determined to finish video in that race. And when he finally came down, he says, I'm here making a YouTube video trying to promote your track. I said, I don't care what you're doing. (laughs) I mean, but But that's my point. People don't – they can see danger all day long, but they don't hear to it.
0: You know, that happened
1: not even an hour before that, and then he was standing exactly where the car came over the wall. That wasn't very smart, was it? Not at all. I told him he wasn't too bright. (laughs) <laughs> I guess he figured lightning Wouldn't strike twice in the same spot <laughs> But that's my That's my point Every week We preach and preach and preach Don't stand next to the fence Don't hold on to the fence Don't do this mm. Don't do that And it's like a magnet It draws them to the fence You can mm. preach it's like I- all you want And they're going to do it regardless it's like a bug. Yeah, and like then if one of them it. gets hurt, they're going to blame you for it. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's funny that you went up there and whopped him with that caution flag.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, well, I, I will never that forget thing. that story. It would have been even funnier uh, if you did it with a black flag. Hey, you're a black flag for the night there, sir. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But after he was through, he was he was apologizing. He claimed he didn't know what he was doing. Can you believe that? Oh, my God. Hey. That, that, they planned stupid then. What? Well, I don't know. You know how That's, them photographers are. No, he, he's not a photographer. He's a racer. Oh, oh wow. He <laughs> he races himself. Wow. That's so the problem. <laughs> yep. That's And I think I've got a good idea who he's talking about. I'm not going to say, but, but yeah, that's, that's crazy, man. That people like when that is more important than your safety, that becomes a huge problem. Yep. So like yeah. with this fuel arrest, you here that Robbie invented. So I, I I say this and I'm going to be honest with you. I don't care who hears it. I'm going to speak my mind. But it's going to take somebody getting burnt locally by a fuel fire to start taking that thing serious and say, hey, maybe we need, maybe we really do need to look at this because it, it's unbelievable that the stories we share on Facebook of cars and drivers getting burnt. And like, for instance, at Deep South Speedway, so I just made a new flyer and y'all can check it out on our website at com and it's on our Facebook too. And I made a new flyer and I put five pictures up there. I had a total of eight or nine pictures. And I forgot about this, but this happened at D South Speedway uh, 2021. And you can ask Dustin Cox about this. He is the fireman for the Stapleton Volunteer Fire Department. And Dustin's always in turns two right there at the the pit exit. Uh, I mean, it's a racetrack exit where they exit at. He's always in turns two in his turnout fireman gear and he's got the... Uh, the other firemen with him. And I'll never forget, I was in turns two right there taking pictures, seeing the cars come out of one and two. And all of a sudden, I see this Stinger car come off the racetrack after the picture was over. Well, the Stinger car caught fire. And it caught fire in the front of the car. And what it was was a fuel pump exploded. And I don't remember the driver's name. as a young guy, but you can see it on my pictures. And I got the pictures on Facebook, too. The guy caught fire... And so, like Dustin Cox remembers this story to this day, because I asked him about it like two weeks ago. And the 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 blaze got pretty big, and the so they got the fire hose, they got the fire truck up there, and they put the fire out. And it's a huge fireball. It exploded in Dustin's face trying to put the fire out. Well, they finally got the fire out, and because this fuel, you know, race fuel, whatever's in there, it, it reignited itself and caught fire again. And it was another bloody mess dealing with that. They finally got the fire out, and thank thank the Lord, Stapleton Volunteer Fire Department was there. That boy would have been burned to death in that car. But that's my problem I have with Stinger cars. It ain't that I dislike them. That's probably the unsafest race car on the racetrack.
0: <laughs> yes, and, and because it
1: and because it is the lowest budget. Car on the racetrack It's hard to mandate The safety stuff that you Need like they need Fuel cells, they need To not have Mm -hmm. electric fuel Pumps but yet The cars are designed to run electric Fuel pumps because they get all fuel Injected you know It's It's uh, it's not a safe Car to be racing honestly Um, But What do you do, you know? What's what's your take on the center cars, Robbie? I I agree with what he said. I mean, you know, they're a great unibody, casty design. There ain't really no way to, you know, frame the electric fuel pump. I mean, that's a problem from the get-go. Uh, but what else she got to run other than Crown Victorias? And, and, and you know, true, and truly, and, the, and most of them cars have uh, electric fuel pumps in the tanks on those as well.
2: That's exactly right. Um,
1: it, <clears throat> at least with those, you, they're a bigger car, a little safer. Well, yeah, yeah, but yeah the, that's true. A lot more weight there when they crash. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I believe it. But, but to your fuel restorator that you got, I get think the true. only way that that you're going to get people's attention to want to wanna get them is get series like uh, um, your bigger series. They like crate racing. They need to start making something like that mandatory. That's the only way I think you're going to get the racers serious enough about looking at them. Because they could watch yeah. their best friend catch on fire and burn up. Well, guess what? Next week, they done forgot about it. That's right. Well, that, that fella, is true. Uh, you know, uh, Neil Bonnet's grandson, uh, David's son, Justin Bonnet. Yeah, You know, he was in a super late model down there at the Derby in Pensacola, and uh, or it may have been one of them snowflake races. I don't remember exactly which race it was. But I do know another car, and then they all got tangled up, and the car got hit in the rear, and it uh, knocked the rear clip off of it, and the tank fuel tank come out of that car, and Justin run along there and run over the tank, and it went between the tire and the uh, foot box down there. <clears throat> and came up, busted the windshield, and knocked all that fuel down the dash down there on top of him and he got third degree burns before he stopped the car. I remember when that happened. And Yeah, I seems like I remember hearing that story my, too. Yeah, if it had one of those containers that I make around it, you know, it would have kept the fuel contained, it would not to let it, you know, just spray everywhere. Just flow out. Yep. Yep. And see, I like what Kyle Jinks said. So for those that don't know who Kyle Jinks is, he runs a page called Front Wheel Drive Fridays on Facebook. And he drives the SCDRA class in North Carolina. And they call him, his nickname is Joker Style Kyle. He's got several big sponsors. And then uh, he's got a fuel register that he bought from us. Well, Kyle, you can see the video. It's on Outside the Groove magazine. They do a lot of uh, dirt racing and asphalt racing in general, and they, uh, they're they like uh, Sports Illustrated for racing. Well, they did an article on him on their website, on Outside the Groove. You can look it up. Just type in uh, Kyle Jinx wreck. And he had a wreck this year. This is no lie. He had a Nissan, and he called it the – Nasty Nissan or something. I can't remember what he called it. But anyways, uh, he was racing his Nissan full center car in that class. And one of the other drivers had a um, a camera, a GoPro camera mounted to their car. And that's the video they got. You can see it. But you can see Kyle racing for first or second uh, right along in there. Oh. Uh, he's like second or third somewhere there. And you see him in the blue car. Another car clips him. And then when it clipped him, his car barrel rolled 18 times. He said he counted 18 times that car barrel rolled. And it, it nearly about killed him. It, it crushed the cage just a little bit, barely bent the cage. It destroyed the rest of the race car. And he talked about how he had the best safety gear and he appreciated that. And when we told him about the fuel register, he got excited and said he wanted to try it out. And he said one thing he remembers from another race was when his engine exploded and fuel fire caught fire. And the fire, he said the flames were so big that it went up to the flag stand. the flag man could feel it, how hot it was, because he was underneath the flag stand when it happened. And he talked about how important it was to have this fuel arrestor for his car. And you can watch it in the video we got on our Facebook, and, our web, and I'm going to try to put it on the website. But he talks about how with his fuel arrester it gives you time to get out of the race car. Because, you know, it takes time to unbuckle your seat belt. It takes time to get your helmet and everything else unhooked. That gives you extra time to get out of the race car. Now, it's not going to soak up every bit of your race fuel, but it'll be enough to where you won't catch fire and your car won't catch fire. Yeah, anything to slow it down, by your a little time. I agree because yep, you know, so what was you saying, Robbie? I said, well, that was the theory behind it. you know was keep it contained. you know, I didn't know you made the 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 sleeve that went over to your fuel line from the tank to the to the fuel pump. That's pretty neat i heard I heard uh Jared talking about that other day on this show. And So um, explain also, that explain all the products that you make and what they do. Well, we make the fuel sleeving It goes over any oil fuel lines. We got a boot that you put around the fuel pump in case you knock it off, at least it'll kinda of contain it for a little bit there, you know. Um On the Sprint cars, we put the sleeves on the lines, all those into the cockpit. We got a boot that goes around the fuel pump and the power steering pump. Kind of keeps all that shielded down. And uh, we make a case for a battery. Excuse me. To uh, encase the battery. You know, it's got fluid. Some uh, some people still run the old conventional battery. Um, But... uh, I don't know. We just we make pretty much anything to cover anything. If you got a, have you talked to anybody? Have you talked to any of these series before about trying to get them to make them mandatory? Yes, sir. Everybody loves them, but nobody makes a move. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's kind of like the Hans device. It took Dale Earnhardt getting killed for them to mandatory the Hans device. Exactly. Yes, sir. Exactly. And you know, it's sad. I've actually I don't remember who it was, but somebody wanted to be dumb enough and argue with me on that. They said, "I don't believe that. I believe if it even if it had the Hans device, I wouldn't have saved Dale Earnhardt." And I'm like, "Yeah, it probably would have because his neck hit. He hit so hard, you know, that it just talked to his neck like that. Like you said, if it wasn't for Dale Earnhardt dying." we would not have the Hans device mandatory in NASCAR. No. No. And and they, it's just like these full containment seats. People's not running them seats just because they're safe. They're running them because they think they're cool. Yep. And, you know, then you that, got people, uh, like people that may be uh, claustrophobic or may... They think the neck restraint scares them or like I can't I can't move with it on or whatever. I say, Well, that's the point. It's supposed to save your neck, it's supposed to keep you from getting hurt, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's like you know, like those full containment seats, there's some cars that I don't think they should be in. I think it causes more harm than than good. It, like I said, some cases it'll save your life. Some cases it'll kill you. Just yes. depends on what situation you're in. So, what is the wildest uh, on your on your fuel fires, Robbie? Of course, that one you saw with Jeff O'Donnell. What is another one of your wild stories of somebody <laughs> catching fire that you witnessed yourself, or? Hmm, I don't know, Jared. I'm. Seen a lot of fires. I mean, a lot of people get hurt and burnt, broke bones, and you know, and a lot of it was just pure ignorance. You know. Have you talked to uh, Joey? Uh, I think his name's Cartel. With uh, what is that? What's that fuel? fire system fire aid oh no sir I met him in a PRI trade show one year but I've never talked to him about you know what I do I think if you <clears> could team up with him y'all could help one another because that's a fine product they got yes sir it's a yeah that's that okay yeah that's the fire suppression system where you press a button and it goes off and Well, he's tried to get in with NASCAR, but NASCAR won't do it. But I think he's certified now with HRA, NHRA. But that's, that's some fine stuff. I, I've witnessed how good that stuff works. It, it right. works fine. But I think, with you know, he's big on the fire stuff. And just like what you talking about happened down at Five Flags, he was there that weekend that right. that wreck happened. Uh, I think would your product would agree with you if your your deal would have been on that car, that wouldn't have happened. And y'all could feed off one another, I believe. And yes, he knows, he, he's he got a lot of connections. So what is his last well, name? <clears throat> Cartel. Uh, Cartel or Cadell, I think it is. I can't, I got it in my phone. Okay, uh, but he—he's from the—he lives in the North Carolinas. He's been involved with NASCAR a long time. Wow, that's cool. <clears throat> okay, well that's cool. Thanks for the info. Unless unless you got his contact. Yeah, no, uh-uh. Jared. Uh, we'll get Jared to get it from you. Yeah, yeah, I'd be fine. Yes. If you Maybe, could get yeah, somebody kind of cool. like if you could get NASCAR to start making it mandatory, it'd just be a trickle effect. And I, I wish well they would. But- Mr. Parker, let me let me tell you the story about NASCAR and my fuel container device. When I started out, I made that thing, and they all loved it. They was uh, welcoming with open arms, just the latest, greatest thing in the world. And then after about 12 years of messing around with them, back and forth, meetings here and there and jumping through these hoops and testing and everything else, it all bore down to it. The Jerry Cook told me if I had $500,000 for licensing and testing, they would be glad to accept it for racing in NASCAR. But otherwise, if I didn't, I was wasting their time and my time. And then it huh. was about a couple of weeks later when uh, Dale Jr. backed that SCCA car, when he was in that Corvette, backed it in that tire barrier, and it caught on yeah. fire. Well, if he'd have had my fuel container in there, it wouldn't have happened because the top broke off of that fuel tank, and it squeezed all that fuel and it run down the uh, rails of the car and down in the tub, and that's what burnt the bottom of his legs. Yeah, it just left pressurized left. the fuel tank. Huh? Yep, just wow. So see, there's the video. So you can you can scroll through our Facebook and find that video. Robbie, I found it, or Robbie shared it with me, of Dale Earnhardt Jr. getting burnt. You know, and speaking of Dale Earnhardt Jr. getting burnt, oh, uh, he raced three, if it's three or two extended races this year, which is what used to be the Bush Series. Well, he raced last weekend, which was his final race of the year at Homestead, Miami. Uh, His final race. He raced. He finished fifth, which was awesome. I was pulling for him. But the race before that, Junior Race, I was wanting him to win. He had the fastest car on the racetrack. He led like 50 laps or whatever it was. He was going to win the race and something happened, and then all of a sudden he was back in third or something like that, and his car caught fire, and Dale Jr. pulled into the pits, and his race suit got burnt. And you can see it when he talks about it when he was being interviewed. It got burnt. They had electrical fire or something, whatever it was, in the front of the car, and he talks about how scary that was. I would love to somehow get in contact with Dale Jr. I know he's a busy guy. I'm sure he's got 50 million emails a day. But I would love to let him see something like this as many times as he's had fire problems, you know. Well, you know, I might could make a few calls and possibly get word to him. The company I work for, when I worked up there in North Carolina, our secretary was Dale Earnhardt Sr.'s neighbor, and uh, she was. She said he was like her own son, stepson. You know, he, she watched him grow up. Mm-hmm. But uh, her husband worked for DEI, and uh, if I could ever get in touch with her, I, I could definitely make contact somehow oh that That's if you really could good. do that that would be that would be awesome look i'd buy you a dinner somewhere if you did that <laughs> yes because uh this woman her husband built the prototype car for nascar when they built the car to the uh, car of tomorrow and I was asked to be a part of that build, and before it happened is when I came home, when Katrina hit, <clears throat> and I just never did go back. But they built that car in their their carport at their house, top secret. Wow. The prototype car. and uh, I wish to this day that I could have been a part of that. That wow, a that's a big deal. Cuz the car tomorrow lasted several years before they got the one they got now. Well, that was the start of where they are today. Yeah, that was that was the first part of it. Wow, that uh, that's a huge deal. Did so so you had a lot to do with uh a lot of big stuff like that back then, didn't you? Yes, sir. A lot of local racers don't know my background. Wow, that's cool. It's that's dude, I pretty heard much you talk about Rick Crawford a while ago. You remember mm-hmm. when when Rick Crawford turned his truck over at Daytona and slid on the roof? Yes. In man. his truck, I rebuilt that truck mm-hmm. that following week. Well, wow. Dying. Where did you, Where did you work at? Hutcherson and Pagan. Oh, you work with uh, up there? Okay, because I used to work with old Tom Fox over around Laughlin's a lot. But we was in that building behind Laughlin's. We clipped and repaired a bunch of those cars. That's kind of where I learned what I learned (coughs) about how to make one go fast and turn left. Yes, sir. (coughs) But that truck was delivered to our shop that Monday morning. Had it on the jig, clipped the whole whole top of the roll cage off and replace the whole top of the roll cage and that's when i figured out nascar would let you do that and i i didn't never dream in a million years that nascar (laughs) would even allow that but but they do yeah but it's actually a safer car once you do it yeah yeah, I got to hang out with old Ron Hutchison and them over there a pretty good bit. They uh, they used to pick <clears throat> on my friend, you know, Patty Hill? Yes, sir. The uh, cool man? hmm We used to go over there and see them and uh, visit with them when I was in Mooresville or whatever. But fun group of people over there. I didn't know that you were well, there. Heck. No. Hey, did you ever meet? Uh, Miss Martha, that's who I'm talking about.
0: Um
1: she, her office know. was right next her her office was right next to to Mister Ron's. Well then I had to see her when I was there. <clears throat> yep. But we're probably talking twenty years ago too. <laughs> yes, sir. But yeah, I used to in fact, we did a lot of DEI cars right there in the Hutchison shop that they everybody thought was built at DEI. Yeah, that's cool. Well, that's but cool. I knew well. <clears throat> I knew NASCAR was hurting when Mister Ron Hutchison sold out and shut his place down because they was pretty yeah. much the backbone of NASCAR. That when BSR shut down, that was a indicator to me. I was like, wow, because you know he supplied with. Uh, I mean, Butch Stevens he <clears throat> supplied him with a lot of stuff for a lot of years. You know. Yeah. Well, you know, after Katrina, well, Ron called me and offered me a job. He asked me. He says, "Man, do you want to?" He wanted me to come drive one of his parts trucks you know that went to the different race tracks right and uh at the time i just i wasn't able <clears throat> to go nowhere i was i was stranded cuz i lost everything i had and katrina and uh but it meant a lot that they even called checking <clears throat> on me <laughs>
2: yes sir I that's lost.
1: cool and i met some really good folks they like family to me and i wouldn't trade them for nothing in the world and then I met some of them jokers up there that uh, I wouldn't uh, have nothing to do with anymore. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well,
1: it's kind of like I tell people, Robbie Gordon got a bad rap because Robbie Gordon was probably the one of the coolest people you'd have met up there.
2: I, I to why. He's
1: one of those... Oh, you said you met him? Yeah, I met him a time or two. I can't remember what his uh, PR lady's name was, but she was a uh, little blonde-headed girl. Used to um, come up there and hang out with us when we would be watching qualifying or whatever. We'd all be standing around there and she would be up there with us. But her and uh, Bob Van Norman and all of them used to hang out together. Yeah. Uh, I, see, used to see, say I would say he's clean. Trailer. See, I would love to meet Robbie Gordon. He's one of those people. He's raced IndyCar, NASCAR, and now he races the Stadium Super Trucks, which he owns the series. He started it, and then he also does the Baja One Thousand, the Baja off-road racing. But yeah, you know, after going up and there and, and working, that's the reason I don't even watch NASCAR no more because it's 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 not NASCAR the way I I knew it and remembered it. Amen, Mr. Parker. Amen. That's why I come home and said the heck with it. You know, like yep. I watched I watched NASCAR religiously. I love it. I hate it. But the, the few times they let politics get involved, that kind of made me mad. But now they've kinda of settled down and I, I like the current format, but my problem and one of the problems is Joey Logano said it best. So I follow Kenny Wallace on Facebook and YouTube. And I watched Kenny Wallace's videos on his YouTube. When well, he gets on there, y'all know how Kenny's real funny. He said, oh, Wallace did this. And Well, he interviewed Joy Logano on there. And I got a lot of respect from Joy Logano. The video was done like three months ago. He drives a 22 car for Roger Pinsky. And Joey Logano said, he said, I'm going to be honest with you. He said, I'm one of the last drivers that actually got in on talent. He said, I'm being dead serious. He said, these kids nowadays coming in NASCAR, he said, you know how they're getting in? Granddaddy's money, daddy's money, whatever. He said money is what's paying these kids to come in NASCAR. Talent don't come in NASCAR no more. It's all about who's got the most money. And that's why you see drivers like Norm Benning don't make it. That's why you don't see Norm Benning racing this year. That's why Jennifer Jo Cobb, I'm a huge Jennifer Jo Cobb fan. She's on her She's owned her own team for years. But you know what? She gets trucks. Her trucks are used from 2009. She can't afford these new trucks that these big teams are racing. No wonder why Jennifer Jo Cobb finishes, you know, 30s and 30th, 32nd, and 22nd on back, you know, because they can't afford. Imagine if they did it. Instead of the driver, who pays the most comes in there somebody like Jennifer or Joey or somebody that actually has talent, give them a shot. All about politics, uh, Jared, and it, it pretty much always has been since the mid-90s. Yep, yep I agree. Because, you know, uh, talent talent should be more important than who's got the most money. It should be, but it's not. Uh, I, I agree with that. That's the that's the reason I don't like the the coach. The, uh, what's his name? Uh, the one Bubba Wallace drives for. Uh, oh, um, um, uh, Jordan Joe Gibbs. Uh, oh no, Joe no, no, no! He don't drive for Joe Gibbs. He drives for uh, oh, Denny he, Hamlin he, and Michael Jordan. Well yeah. I'm just he came he came through the Joe Gibbs organization. Oh yes, yeah, the here, driver for diversity. Yep, yes, that's right. And and yeah. that's a proven fact that talent's not in race car uh in NASCAR because I watched Bubba Wallace destroy more damn race cars than most people could ever put together right up there at Hickory, North <laughs> Carolina. Every Saturday night, he was destroying race cars. But because of who he was and what he was, he kept a ride. Yep. And now now you see what's going on in NASCAR. So they get what they deserve. And, and you know, he's only – I've watched him win two truck series races, and he won those handily. But then he won – he won a Cup Series race because it got rained out, which a win, still a win, but he still, you know. And so he only has like maybe five or six races wins total in NASCAR. He hasn't, he hasn't. I don't know. He just has not done what he's what he's supposed to hype, I guess you'd say. <clears throat> he's done. He's done what NASCAR allowed it to happen. That's right. That's about there <laughs> when they said which my. Uh, Jared, you said you got mad at me one time because I told you this, but when Michael Waltrip, when he finally won his first Winston <clears throat> cup race, and a matter of fact, I think it was the Coca-Cola 600, it wasn't even a points race, but he finally won one. They said, oh, my God, Michael Waltrip won a race, you know, this and that and everything, and I was like, well, golly. He ordered one after 496 tries. Hell, he should have won one. <laughs> yep, that's but the Dale Earnhardt, Dale Earnhardt got killed to let him win the first race.
0: Yep. The Daytona hey, you know, 500.
1: Like yep. I was watching that. I got it recorded, and I was so happy because obviously everybody knows Michael Waltrip's my all-time favorite, next to Ricky Rudd. And, like, I was so excited. Dale Earnhardt Jr. was second, and Michael Waltrip was first. And I was so excited, and Daryl Waltrip started crying. He said, there's my little brother Mikey. Mikey's going to win the Daytona 500 for the first time. And Daryl just boo-hoo's and cries on TV. There goes Mikey. He finally won He finally won the Daytona 500. Everybody was going nuts. That, oh, Mikey finally did it. And not even 10 minutes later, they were all depressed and sad. They found out Dale Earnhardt died.
2: Yeah, I was there that yep.
1: day on Pitt Road, I watched the rollback come down with the car covered and the puddle of blood under it on the <clears throat> deck of the rollback and as much blood had dripped out of that car I knew he had to be dead. Ugh. Yeah. Ken Straight was what? dead when he walked up to the car. Wow. Yeah, it wasn't it. It had knocked his eyeballs in his goggles, wasn't it? I don't recall, but I know Ken Schrader knew he was dead when he walked up to the car. Yeah. Well, see, Starlin Marlin, I found this out. So Starlin Marlin has, I think it's dementia or Alzheimer's. I forget which one it is. No, Parkinson's. That's what he's got, Parkinson's. And Starlin Marlin's in his 60s and 70s, whatever. He still races, but he races the asphalt lake models where he's from in Tennessee or wherever. And, you know, to this day... I was told that Sterling Marlin still blames himself to this day for what happened to Dale Earnhardt. Said, "No, it wasn't your fault. It it was the non-safety thing, and it was just—it was bound to happen. You know, it wasn't Sterling Marlin's fault, even though he was involved in it. I still don't blame Sterling Marlin for that. No, it wasn't his fault. It was what killed Dale Earnhardt was how they had the seatbelts mounted in the car." And that's the honest truth. Yeah, the seatbelt wasn't tied all the way, right? They come loose. No, he mounted them up straight, horizontal with the chassis, and they should have been mm-hmm. mounted at a forty-five. They really should float there. You should have a lock nut and let that buckle float. But his was mounted straight up, horizontal with the chassis, and when he hit the wall, it gathered so quick in that corner it actually burnt that belt in, two on the left side, and he went up into the steering wheel, and his chin hit the steering wheel, and it jacked his neck about 12 inches is what I was told. And this is all Yay! from the in-car camera. uh One of the guys with safety clean was telling me about what exactly happened. And it said it jacked wow. his neck out 12 inches, and when he come back in the seat, his head went over between the door and the... Uh, the seat, and that's what when Kenny Schrader come over, he seen his head was all stretched, his neck and everything, and he was dead, but um, when that belt broke and Earnhardt's chin hit the steering wheel, I'm sure he was dead at that instant. Wow. And they all claimed that the belt, you know, it broke and all, and it didn't break, it was burning too, and it wasn't Simpson's fault. Simpson's make. They make fine products, fine seat belts. That's what I've used in my car all these years, the Simpson belts. And never had no problem, but we always mount them right. And that's a, you know, one thing about here we go on safety again, you know. You just need to make sure your belts is mounted right in your car, or else it can kill you as well. Yeah, I agree. Yep. I agree. Um, that's like talking to my friend Cameron Goldsworthy. He talks about that. that time he was at Southern Raceway and got hit by that tire, and it almost killed him. But he's sponsored by Hooker Harness, which they make. Oh, I looked I looked up the history. Hooker Harness has been making safety belts for airplanes since the 70s, and they finally got the idea. They said, hey, let's make them for racing, too. So now you see a lot of race cars with a Hooker Harness, and he's big big-time sponsored by them. And I look at that, and I think, it's good to have a good safety belt as you know, you ain't gotta have the, the the top of the line name brand as long as you got one that's quality is more important than the name of it. Yeah. You know you are talking about airplane seat belts, first race car I ever raced. That's what it had instead of airplane <clears throat> seatbelts in it. Really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's where a lot of them used to come from. Airplanes, they use, well, that's where the bomber seat and the, uh, seat belts. That's what they put in them hot rods for years. You know. Yeah. Awesome. We getting toward all
2: this racing
1: stuff has came from other engineered products. <clears throat> yep. Yeah. Yeah, used to, Donald, you had to make all this stuff, and now you just buy it off the shelf, you know? Yeah. Yep. Um, Times have changed, that's for sure. There's ways that we can cut costs of racing if you could get the racers and the series to abide by it. Um, Right. I met with Humphrey Wheeler one, one, one weekend in a snowball derby, and we sat up in the booth, and we talked the whole race. And me and him I had a lot in common. And uh, he was bringing up the late models way back then, and he was working with AR bodies back then, trying to get them to design a body to get on these late models to look, make them look more like a stock-appearing car
2: and right.
1: his his theory behind it was your average average person don't know what a dirt light model is they just see a, a, a car and to them it looks like a spaceship
0: but, <laughs> <Yeah>. but
1: <laughs> the racers think it's cool <clears throat> as hell because they're just building it for speed they don't care what it looks like but right. even somebody with Humphrey Wheeler's uh, power and 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 his know-how, he couldn't even pull it off, you know. And and look at these late models now. Just look at the bodies. If you're not a dirt car fan, uh, uh, an average person can look at that car and they don't know what the hell they're looking at.
0: That's That's right.
1: right. hell i I'm a dirt car racer now hell, I look at a dirt lake model. The right front nose is a foot and a half off the ground, and the left side of the nose is dragging the ground when it's sitting still. If you just step back and look at the car it, it's just it's just not right no <laughs> you know nothing about it looks a stock appearing. Period. And right. I know it's a late model. It is a late model. But they don't have to look that way. They look that way by choice. That's right. Well, they give them a little bit, then they take a little bit, and they give them a little bit, and they take a little bit. Before long, you got Batmobile. <laughs> well, that's, that's, yeah, that's true. That's about right. Holy psyche's Batman. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, everybody, everybody from the top down is spending <clears throat> theirself to no end until it's starting to affect teams that, that you never would have thought it affected before. So yeah. now it's really time to look at <clears throat> what's more important, speed or the sport. Uh, even if you slowed the cars down some. And you had the same pettiness on the racetracks. Who cares, you know? Um, sometimes your best race of the night is your slowest class of the night. The fans yep. ain't there to see strictly <clears throat> speed; they're there to see competitive racing. That's right. We had we had two stinger cars one night racing. <clears throat> Only two cars on the racetrack. They were swapping the lead back and forth and bumper-to-bumper, door-to-door, and that's the loudest I'd ever heard the fans cheering in my life at a racetrack. You could uh, you could wow. hear the fans over the race cars like if you was at a football <clears> game. <throat> and that proved to me, it don't matter how fast you are, it's, it's how good a show you're putting on. <clears throat> right. Wow, oh, that's awesome. That? I, I agree with that. Because a lot of times, one thing I like about a lot, some of these tracks, some tracks don't do this. And it drives me in, like, so y'all put y'all put the stingers first, right? Yes, sir. So that's what I like because a lot of racetracks, they put the stingers last, they get the shaft, and I'm not pointing out any particular racetrack. I've just seen it a lot. They put the stingers last, they get the shaft, The fans leave after the big race is over, and they basically say, we don't care about these other classes. We're going to go home. We came. we. I'm getting my money's worth. I'm staying. I don't care if it's 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm watching racing. I'm going to spend that money and drive an hour, hour and a half, however far. I'm watching it. And a lot of times your stingers put on the best race, and I love the way y'all do it. Y'all put them first instead of making the race last, because the problem with some of these racetracks and make make these classes like those and the bombers race last is when they put these sprint cars or even the light models first, and once people see them, they leave. And I get depressed when I see these, I'm like, fans leaving. I'm like, where are you going? There's still two or three more classes to go. If I was a driver, which I will be one day, when I get a driver and I start seeing fans leaving, I'm going to get mad and upset that they didn't stay to watch my class race because that would offend me to no end to see these fans leave. Now, I understand you got some that, you know, emergencies or they got to go to work the next morning, whatever, but the, the majority of them don't, and you see them leave, and me as a driver, and I drove out there, and there wouldn't be like two or three fans in the stands. It's like, who am I racing for at that point? <clears throat> yeah. There's a another reason why i put the stingers first they get their race run quick the tracks in the best shape if they run first you know if you run them after late models at the end of the night you got a front wheel drive car out there dodging holes ripping tires off of rims so i run them first because that's when the track's in the best shape and they don't tear the track up like people think they do um but you, normally their race runs green to checkered, toxin free. So you can run their race, and they're over with and done with, you know, and five, ten minutes tops, you know. Yeah. And to, in my opinion, <clears throat> that's, that's a no-win situation. I mean, a, a no-brainer to me, put it that way. Yeah, there you go. So what are your thoughts on that, Robbie? <clears throat> <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, I, like he said, hell, they don't tear up the track. Yeah, I mean, it just seems to me, if you want to keep your audience engaged and keep watching the races, you don't put your best class, with, and then you have two, two more classes to race after them. To me, that just don't make no sense to me. To me, as a driver... I don't know. I would just get so mad. It's like, why am I out here racing? Of course, I'm doing it to win, you know. But I like watching people. If I'm a driver, I look at it this way: Hey, these people came to see my class race, or My family or my friends came to see me race. This is a big deal. And if I look up and don't see anybody in the stands, how are you gonna feel? Then you're gonna. It's gonna take the mood down. You're not gonna drive. You're not gonna drive the same as you would if there's tons of people in the stands. Well, right. I, I like to get the show run and get it over with. I like to keep it fast-paced because uh, I don't want it late when the races are over, and I want, the, I want the fans to stay to the end. And that's that's one way you're going to keep them is if you get the show going, mm-hmm. you don't have no downtime, and you keep yep. it rolling until the end of the night. You'll keep them there, there at you that go. point, but if you, if you drag it out, you're gonna lose her attention. That's right. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Cause it's like Artie says all the time. He says, "Man, he says I don't want to be at this racetrack at two o'clock in the morning because I got my kids with me." And and he talks about that how frustrating it is, you know. And and I get it, you know. Uh, I will never forget one time we was at Flemington Speedway one night. They had the Jerry Johns Memorial Derby. And Jamie was racing his vintage car in that race. And we got there, and it flooded. I'm talking about it flooded like a monsoon. And Michael McCall and them, they said, no, this race is our biggest race of the year. We're not going to cancel this race. We are going to get this race in. And I'm sure people thought they was, thought it was a joke and this and that, but no. They got that race in. We got done at 2 o'clock in the morning. But they did exactly what they said they were going to do. They got that race in. Now that don't happen often, but uh, that was a that was a unique experience. Yeah, you know, they sometimes that things just don't work your way all the time. You just got to deal with it. But you don't want to make right. it an every weekend deal. That's right. That's right. We're getting towards the uh, the end here, and had a super, super great discussion with both of y'all. I think I, I think this needed to happen. You know, both of y'all get on and talk racing because both of y'all are a lot alike. Both of y'all are smart dudes. Y'all been racing. Y'all been racing ever since Moby Dick was a sardine. So y'all know a lot about racing. I love to hear this technical stuff that your average person or average fan don't get to hear the knowledge from veterans like y'all. <clears throat> if... If we could use it to the good, it would be a lot better, you know, yes, if people would really listen. If people would really listen to y'all, because there's a reason why Donald Parker owns and runs a racetrack and has, and has run it for many, many years and been racing. There's a reason why Robbie invented this field of because he's smart. And there's a reason why Robbie's been in racing since the 70s. And all this and that, got this experience because he knows this stuff. He's been around it. You know, if I was y'all, I wouldn't just listen to just anybody. These are two guys that I would listen to. These are two guys that I look up to that I listen to. People like Mr. Ike that's been around racing as long as y'all have. You know, I I, I don't want to take advice from somebody that's only been around it for a short while. I'd rather take advice from y'all that know people need to take safety stuff serious and listen to y'all, you know. Well, I ain't bragging or nothing, but I have stayed in the Holiday Inn Express a couple times.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know, I
1: have. I've, I've done that myself. Maybe that's what we get our knowledge, huh? Hey, we we are like the Sydney twins, ain't we? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So y'all... But you maybe, know, all of the... Truck, with that being said, I ain't saying I haven't done some stupid things over my years, you know. I have <laughs> mounted tires using using starting fluid. And, you know, I have done some stupid things over the years, but I have learned from my mistakes. Yes. Some people don't so get the work- opportunity to see where we at, don't you know? You know, they was yeah, a the day in and- time, if you was <laughs> running them recap tires, you just about had to mount those tires with, with start and flood. You're damn right, because they wouldn't beat out. <laughs> no, sir. Unless you had the right equipment, you wouldn't airing it up with a regular air 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 compressor. No, I used them mini can of ether. I used to make them things jump off the ground. We used to change. I worked at Feaster Tires up in Atmore when it first opened, and I wound up managing the place, but um, we used to. Old boy showed me one of which I like playing with fire anyway. And he showed me that ether trick to air up tires. yeah man, that was. I tried to air up every tire I got with ether from then on. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: you pyro, you. I'm gonna tell you one thing. You don't do is you don't put your thumb or or your finger on a valve stem to try to hold that air in. When that oh, thing no. popped out on that rim. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I, I did that one time. Yeah. I learned my lesson. That living. was one time too many. <laughs> hey, yeah, you know, so he we had a little guy time. up there in Monroeville, and he would, uh, he used gasoline. He'd put gasoline in a little squirt bottle, and he'd just run around there like a half a trip, and that was it. And then, boom, it'd bust off on the rim and uh i i was always too scared to try to use that gasoline <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but you'd use but you'd use starting <clears throat> fluid huh <laughs> yeah i don't know i was kind of stupid in that area
0: <laughs>
1: yeah he <laughs> just made it he was stupid in that, that area, area. We got we we got changing them tires down to an art, man. We could we could pump them suckers down and air them up, and pop them out in just a little while. Yeah. Uh, it's all about technique. That's right. Uh, so we I had a, I so, had, a I had a guy to track the other day trying to break a tire down. He couldn't break that tire down. Couldn't break that tire down. I said, here, let me show you something. I went over there and got me a, a little bit of gas, poured around that rim, and that tire fell off that rim. He said, "Man, I'd have never dreamed that." I said, "My daddy taught me that trick years ago. For him, you know, that was a little trick they learned fixing trucks on their log, uh, tires on their log trucks. But that's yeah. that's wow. a little trick." That's a little trick that I learned many years ago that I use all the time. Well, man, back in the day, we had a bumper jack, and you'd hook it in the bumper, and you'd lay the tire up there with the foot on it and turn that foot to the back side next to the rim, and it would break that tire off that rim every time. <laughs> a lot of people yeah, don't even know what a bumper jack is now. <laughs> <laughs> you can also put your board on a tire and drive you pop it right off. Yeah, I've seen that done before. Sure. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, oh, we're gonna end end the show here and I wanna thank both Man, of y'all for coming on started this.
0: Now, <laughs> <laughs> hey
1: y'all yeah, like to hey. energize the Energizer bunny, he keeps going and going and Go get us a cup of there coffee, you. we'll be here all night <laughs> Well look, I, I'm really glad a- we had this Because I learned a lot And then also, if if you can make that connection, Donald With that lady that you know from that was Earnhardt's neighbor That would be awesome <clears throat> well, Let's just say a prayer that she's still alive Yeah, yeah <laughs> there you go <laughs> That's the <a> truth. <treat. laughs> but then again, I still got Mister Ron's phone number in my phone. I could pick up call him if he's still alive. And yeah. and if anybody could get me in touch with Earnhardt, he could. Or oh yeah, Mister be... Ron. Uh, didn't you tell me you had a connection with Mister Ron? Yes, the through Patty Hill It hey, Cool Man. <laughs> I got you. <clears throat> And she could probably get in touch with Earnhardt, but I just, uh, I don't know. We've been kind of busy. We haven't had a chance to sit down and talk in the last couple years. So uh, maybe I need to call her up, (laughs) and we all go out and get something to eat and sit down and discuss it. There you go. Yes, sir. All right. That's what you need is somebody like that to speak up for you. (laughs) Yes, sir. Well, Don, I sure appreciate you. thoughts and your um help there and anything you can do for us and anything we can do for you just holler at us just send us some racers and some fans man we'll try to do all we can we always talk it up every time we see somebody we you know tell them about Hattiesburg and all the great racing we got here on the Gulf Coast yeah, yeah. i was telling Jared, we probably had the best sprint car race Friday night that we've ever had at the racetrack. Right. That's, That's a good awesome. one. <clears throat> well, I Well, I appreciate y'all, and I'm going to uh, hop off here, and uh, we'll see y'all next Thursday, 7 p.m., for Safety to Success, Safety and Racing Podcast. And remember, put God first in all you do. Thank y'all, Robbie and Mr. Donald. Thank you. All, Good. Right. Right, all right. See you all later. God loves you. Bye-bye. Yes, sir. Bye-bye. All right. Cool. That was awesome. So thank you, Donald. Thank you, Robbie. Uh, that was awesome. So let's play the song to end it out, and I'm going to go run to the dollar store. Uh, yes, sir. Here we go. Levi, man. Let us read. bye Good church home to go to. Remember, God loves you. Check out our Facebook at Ray St. Chiloretta, LLC, and good Bible verse to end on. Isaiah 53.5, King James Version, where he was wounded for our transgressions, um, he was uh, pierced for our iniquities. When I'm running in the night, and I can't, can't see the light, light, and I don't know where to go. I just give my fear to God. He shows me where to walk to get out of these crossroads And when the devil talks back and tries to attack I just grab him by his head. And I change on my sword, that's the word of the Lord And I speak those letters and read those letters and read Daddy taught me to never back down Mama taught me
2: to say my prayers I grew up on a stand firm state That's why I-